All right, welcome back in, uh, Ryan Ripkin Show, episode 36. Uh, we got a full house again tonight. We got uh, Rocco's back in his chair. Rocco. Welcome back to the studio, Great to be buddy. back. I couldn't How's handle it? the slander being away from the uh, studio another week, so. Yeah, I have light bills going up because we had to turn your spotlight on. Oh, but nice. That's besides yeah, the yeah. point. Well, I'm Welcome not back. contributing or paying anything with that. That's Brad and Rip can handle that. Yeah, well, hey, um, Rocco's there. We got Zach uh, back in his same spot. Nothing's changed there. Yeah, except the lights. Except the lights <laughs> in the back. I, Don't... Made, I made the lights turn different colors. You're welcome. That was an executive decision. It was hated on. No, no one really hated on it. Just no one cared as much as you did. And maybe that will draw in some uh, listeners, viewers tonight. We'll see. You guys can be the judge. And then behind the scenes right now, as always, Brad, are you still here? What up? What up? There uh, is. Yeah. So Zach, the, the, the rave, I'm still not sold on the rave. I was, I was the quote unquote hater. Yeah. No, I'm telling you. We'll it's see. Gonna, it's we'll going to get people's attention. Somebody, yeah, some start, start, yeah, start it up in the comments, people. Speaking yeah. of which, uh, I do have our, our, our polls are already starting. Uh, the, my first question of the night is true or false? Joe Flacco will win a playoff game this year. Wow, and that is that is in the poll. So far, we got one vote. I'm, I'll leave it up there for a little while, but somebody thinks that Joe Flacco will win a uh, a uh, a playoff Ooh. game. <laughs> what were you going to say there? Super Bowl. I also wanted to address this. So a shekel is watching uh, from a very uh, far distance away. I'm going to take my, my guess and say that uh, he is watching from Alaska. It's five hours behind. Five hours. Yeah, I don't know what five hours is. I'm not a. It's two o'clock. Alaska you know, would be like, impressive. If you guessed Alaska correctly, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, we'll find out here in a second. But hey, let, let's move quickly here because our, our guest, uh, yes. Sean Merriman, is going to be coming on at around 7.15. But, well, so we're give, that, give that a little bit more of a, of a tee up, man. Well, okay. So teeing it up for the Marylanders here. Um, Sean starred at the University of Maryland and was taken in the first round and went to the San Diego Chargers before they became the L.A. Chargers. Uh, had a great career there, was the defensive rookie of the year, all pro. Uh, dog. And now, yeah, what dog? Dog, he was dog, absolute dog. But he is a Maryland guy from the area, from the community, and to see him have the career. And he's got a lot of great insights, so we're excited to have him on. So that will be coming up soon. And there's been a lot of spiciness, specifically around the NFL and even college football as well. Uh, so we'll get that type of perspective that maybe you guys were are curious with because let's just face it right now it's fall it's winter now and football is alive and well and maybe too alive and well depending on uh who you talk to and right now we're going to go through our spicy topics have sean on have our conversations and we're going to jump into that ravens wild ravens rams game yesterday guys so um we'll save everyone's thoughts for it but for right now the biggest talk of our spicy topics to start the show off happened with that Bills Chiefs game. Mm. And what I'm specifically alluding to is the offsides on the offense penalty on Kadarius Tony that negated an unbelievable play by Travis Kelsey. And then it wasn't necessarily that people were talking about the play as much then as much as what happened with uh Patrick Mahomes after the play as well. Um and I guess you have the play right here, Brad. Yeah, so if you can take a look here the bottom of your screen, uh, 
you can see Kadarius Tony's his foot's right on the line there. You can't even see the football from where his helmet is, and his helmet's almost almost you know uh, touching the, the other Bills uh, lineman here as well. And you can kind of see the play. Uh, and this is what uh, there's your flag. So you see the flag here right in the middle of the screen towards the left, right right where that line of scrimmage is. You see the flag come up. So the flag comes out well before this play even really gets started. And so this is kind of what Patrick Mahomes was super pissed about. Obviously, you know, you don't want to see a flag come out here uh, when a play goes off just like this. I mean, unbelievable play. That was so Incre- cool. incredible. That incredible was so play. Cool. But at the same time, you got Kadarius Tony. That was clearly offsides, and it wasn't even like it was close, right? Like he was very much offsides, and this is a play that officials have been calling all all year long. This is the twelfth one that was was called. And look, it you if you're on the offense, this is this is the part that kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. And uh, I don't have the the video where we saw Patrick Mahomes reacting to Josh Allen, but I do have the post game coverage of what he said after the game. So take a listen. Sure. I mean, it's I mean, obviously tough to swallow. Um, I mean, not, not only for, for me, but just for football in general. I mean, just to take away greatness like that. I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that. And who knows if we win. But as I know as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game. And that's why last week I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez. And so, I mean, I, it, I mean, they're human, man. They make mistakes. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something. And all I can do is go out there and give everything I have. And I'm proud of the guys because that's what we did. And it was a great football game that ended – another great football game that just ended like that. It's just tough, tough to swallow. Patrick, what, what do you – lack of better term, what made you boil over? Was it that itself or was it the uh, – it's, 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 it's the call, man. Just in that moment, I mean, it's – it's not even for my, myself or for me. It's just I know how much everybody puts into this game, and for it to to happen on a flag change the outcome of a game um, in that moment. I mean, I, I've played seven years, never had that, never had offensive offsides called. I mean, that's the we that's elementary school. We we talk about. I mean, you point to the ref, do all that different type of stuff, and and it doesn't get called. And if it does, do you, they warn you, and there was no warning throughout the entire game. Um, and then you wait till there's a minute left in the game to make a call like that. Um, it's tough, man. It, it, I mean, lost for words, man. It's just it's tough because regardless if we win or lose, man, just just for the, the end with another game, we're talking about the refs, man. It's just not what we want for the for the NFL and for football. And I would be okay with everything that Patrick Mahomes said if the call was a bad call. Mm-hmm. But there is no way that I'm going to be. Uh, giving anybody a pass because they didn't get warned about being offside. The defensive side of the ball never gets warned for being offside. I, I th- th- this all the blame, all the all the anger should be pointed directly to his wide receivers, to Kadarius Tony in particular. The guy was actually offsides all night long. It just so happened that this one was the most egregious one that they had seen. So you don't deserve to get a warning for being offside. You just don't. It is something that you're you're taught to do. You, you okay with with the line judge, and you just didn't. You just blatantly stepped over the line and you took off from there. So I I don't feel bad for for the the Chiefs for this call in particular. If it was a blown call, if it was one that didn't make any sense, sure. But this one was clear cut and dry to me. What say you fellas? 
Yeah, we'll go around the, the table here real quickly. Zach, go ahead. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Brad. I mean, it it wasn't an egregious call where it was something like it was 50-50. The refs made an opinion, a judgment call. He was a foot off sides. He was blatantly in the neutral zone. The ref threw the flag before anything happened. Now, if this was something where play happens, then the refs come together and then throw the flag, I can see us having an issue where it's like, wait, why didn't this happen? Yeah. It happened the second the ball was snapped, the ref threw the flag. He has no clue what's going to happen. Then the play happens. He goes up like they always do and go, nope, came, coming back because he was offsides. Just like they do with every other penalty that calls back a touchdown, it just sucks that this was in a big moment, and it sucks that it was on a really cool play. I think that's the biggest thing. If this would have just been a Hail Mary to Tony for a touchdown, then whatever. I think it would have been, oh, that sucks. But it was a really cool play, so people are like, that sucks that that gets taken away. Yeah, Rock, go ahead. I think that, to your point, Zach, if it was an incompletion, this would have been swept under the rug. Nobody would have been yeah. talking about it. The fact that it was could have been one of the coolest plays that we've seen this season with the Travis Kelsey lateral, perfect spiral to Kadarius Tony, and then he scores. Mm -hmm. That's where Mahomes, heat of the moment, was frustrated, and that carried over. And I'm not giving him a pass at all. Because when he said elementary school stuff, this is the stuff we we learn in elementary school. Yeah, you're right. When I officiated high school football, I knew you're gonna you're gonna give me that. Not making it about me, but I, I am saying like high school football, you're taught mm -hmm. to check in with the ref yeah. on the side. That headlinesman or the line judge, as a receiver, you look over and you say, "Am I good?" And you go, "Okay." Or they line up off where they're not mm -hmm. on the line. So they're not covering up a tight end or a lineman and they go, I'm off. Am I good? Mm -hmm. Yes. Am I good with the ball? Sure. Yeah. It's it's a courtesy to ask. Mm -hmm. And if you're lined up off sides and I'm an official and you don't look at me, I, I can throw the flag because yeah. it is a penalty mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. then and there. So yeah. we bash the officials. We talk about how bad they've been all season long in the NFL. And it's been crazy with that and the fines and lack thereof. But this was a good call right there in that moment. Regardless of the result, he threw the flag when Kadarius Tony was basically hugging the Bills player like mm -hmm. he was that close. So I have no problem with the flag at all. I don't see why Patrick Mahomes is so frustrated about this call. Well, I understand why he's frustrated. You're a competitor. You're pissed. Yeah. You're about to yeah, take the lead against, against the Buffalo I'm... Bills. And all of a sudden, whammy uh, comes back. Then you get shut down. Then the game's over and you lose. And the Chiefs aren't really used to losing. Um multiple games in a row recently over the last year so they just, no. they've been a team that finds a way to keep they win these types of games mm -hmm. now they're on the other side of it um i think with this case the officials part of it warning no warning whatever it may be it's such an interesting dynamic of a conversation because people are either mad or not of not checking in of giving a warning but the call the officials made was right Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's the part where people, whatever, whatever side you're on, you can't argue the fact that he was offside. You can argue they didn't give him a warning, but the officials didn't miss the call there. They could have missed calls earlier, but they did not miss that call. Chiefs lose. That, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'll tell you what, you think any umpire or ref or official too? I mean, I, you guys have told you about baseball. Uh, you can go back and watch. You think the referee, you're getting that call back too, by the way, like it happens. It's a part of the sport. It's the human element. Um, but in this case, this human element saw it right and they got it right. So 
Well, we could talk about it for a while, uh, but could you can you guys believe the Denver Broncos are one game back? I love it. One game Danger back. Russ. Danger <laughs> Russ. Well, well may, maybe with our guests coming on, we can ask them a little bit about the other team we thought that possibly could be in the, the discussion. The, the Chargers are, are not necessarily um, having the year that they want. I really thought they were going to go to the AFC Championship. I really like before the year, the Chargers were my pick to like be potentially like take over the Chiefs and like grab the one seed. It's well, been sad. Would you take that over the Ravens? Well, I think that's an obvious answer. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's time then if, if he's ready. I think he's back there too. Um, the guy that uh, we've been waiting for, uh, that you guys are probably tuning in to wait for. Uh, Brad, do is he back there? Or Sean back yeah. there? He is, he is. Here he is. Sean, how you doing? What's up, Sean? What? What's up, fellas? How are you doing? Where are you tuning in from? Uh, L.A.? No, no, I'm in. I'm in Vegas. I'm oh, you're in Vegas. In Vegas. Okay. Yeah. You ever come back to Maryland off, often? Back to the roots? Four, four or five times a year. Um, I just had my 21st annual winter winter cold drive at the University of Maryland that I come back for every year. Um, but I'll go to one game and I'll go back. Oh, my family is still there in Maryland, D.C. So I ain't got no choice. If I don't, my family will kill me. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I got to. You know, I always got to come back to the crib. I feel you on that. I um, right now, my parents. I'm in Maryland right now, and my parents keep telling me if I leave Maryland, I better be back. So I I, I can relate. Uh, you mind just opening that up with it? You 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 decide to stay local in college, um, and then correct me if I'm wrong here. You really came on the scene your junior year. I think your freshman year, you were pretty solid, and you you came in under the fridge, right? Yeah, the fridge. Um. Can you just talk about in this day and age of the the development of, of your game? And that I think so many people nowadays expect that you're just going to come in and be a beast off the get-go. But for you, you evolved into a player um, that maybe you or no one would have expected, you know, two years later after your freshman year. Yeah, well, you know what happened to me in my, my case? I would think I was a three- or four-star recruit or something like that coming out of high school. Um, you know, I won – uh, what they call all met. I don't know if you remember all met. So it was a yep. number one player coming out of DC, Maryland, Virginia. And that's huge because you remember it was a lot of talent uh, around that area, those areas when I came out. Um, and so, you know, to win that award being number one. So I was highly talented coming out of high school. Now what happened in college is I played off the ball my entire you know life. I've never played DN. I never rushed a pass. So I, I didn't, they said just one day, Hey, playing outside linebacker, we want you to rush the pass. I'm like, oh, okay, how, how do I do that? I didn't even have a sack all high school. Uh, so it was a little bit of a learning curve. But also, too, it was part of – I came in with LeVar Arrington and Ray Lewis as mentors, and they were on campus coming to see me. And so it was one of those things where the coaches knew, especially Rob Friedman, knew that I was going to go to the draft and leave early. In fact, during our freshman orientation, we all had to stand up at our first day in team meetings and tell everybody who we are, who we came from. I let everybody know that day. And so that didn't sit well with, you know, the coaches and stuff like that. Like, hey, look, I'm, I'm only going to be here three years. I'm just letting you know that now. And uh, it didn't sit well with a lot of people. So their, their goal was is to sit me on the bench as long as possible so I wouldn't leave. And I was still <laughs> averaging seven, eight sacks in ACC, you know, top three coming off of the bench, my freshman, sophomore. And I finally what happened was and kind of the first time I'm ever talking about this, I went to go tell them that I'm transferring if I'm not starting. I'm going somewhere else. Um, Mike Loxley, who's the head coach there now, was at Florida. And so I was prepared to transfer out of Maryland and go to Florida where I know I'm going to start and get some playing time. 
because to be, you know, top three, top four in ACC every year coming off the bench wasn't sitting well with me. So finally, when I started my junior year, I had a big breakout year. People started noticing me around the country more. Uh, but it was everybody knew my teammates, coaches, everybody knew that I was a three year guy. And, and that's kind of was the the gift and the curse of, of, of me in general. Yeah, well, hey, I, I, that leads me to the next part of this, because nowadays you think of the NIL and transfer portal and all of this. Some people, it's the best thing for them. You know, it can lead to the next best opportunity. Some people, though, are chasing it just for the money. But in your case, you just wanted the opportunity to play. Do you have any stance on how it's kind of evolving right now in college football? Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of the, the wild, wild west, man. I think that at some point uh, they're going to have to start putting some restrictions on what guys are doing because – I, the best decision I've ever made is never transferring out, out, outside of University of Maryland. That was my home. I grew up 20 minutes from the school. And, you know, we grew up poor and homeless. Everybody in, in the area, D.C. Maryland, Virginia, knew my story as a kid because I, I had, you know, high school specials. I don't know if remember, remember back in the day they had the high school uh, machine, the, yeah. the top players, the highlights that came on. Uh, I think it was like Saturday nights and stuff. And so, you know, I had this hype and stuff coming out. And. I never wanted to leave Maryland. I actually committed, verbally committed my junior year um, at, when I was at Frederick Douglass High School up in Marlboro, Maryland. So I didn't take a visit. I didn't go anywhere. And honestly, man, that was the best decision I made. And I can't imagine if one day somebody offered me a couple of bucks, I go to Miami, I go to Florida, go to Alabama, or Florida State or something like that, and I, it's the same thing happened. You know, yeah. you see some of these guys in the transfer portal don't even play. Or don't even get picked up or whatever the case is. And so uh, I understand that, you know, the, the student athletes, they want to transfer because of whatever reason, money, playing time, team, coaches, whatever, whatever it is. I, I get I understand the opportunity to transfer. What I don't like is, is that they're still kind of young adults. I'm not going to say kids because I, I hate using that word. It's, they're young adults that haven't figured everything else out yet. And so maybe it might be a, a driving factor, outside driving factor, that's getting these kids or young adults to transfer because they don't like the situation they're in for a split second. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Coach may talk to them a certain way. They didn't like it. Oh, I'm going to leave, right? And so that's not always uh, a positive thing either. So it, it, it works both ways. In my case, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I did stay because Maryland's my home. That's my backyard. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Oh, no. Sorry. sorry. Uh, Sean, I, listen, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Super pumped to have you here. And I don't know if you caught the tail end of what we were speaking of uh, in last night's game with the Chiefs and just the officiating and everything. And I would say it doesn't feel like you're, you're too far removed from the NFL, but so much has changed in even that short period of time with, with officiating. Um, what are your thoughts on that as far as, how things have evolved. Has the game gotten better because of the changes in rules and officiating, or is it just uh, the, the same same thing? It's just packed in a different package. I think that the NFL did a hell of a job at protecting players. Um, and I don't like all the rules. The, you know, there's, there's way too many rules, but I th do think they changed the game for the better. I mean, you know, these head injuries and guys pro having problems down the road, um, we wasn't very knowledgeable about the possibilities of the long-term effects of some of these injuries. Uh, so I think the NFL did a great job in that. What I don't like is the, I, I just think the refs have way too much power, right? Way, way, way too much power. And there's no, um, uh, there's, there's nothing can happen to them for whatever call that they make. They're, they're protected way too much. 
you know, we've seen we've seen refs getting getting the player's ear and, and, and kind of approaching them and, and, and kind of egging them on to do something so they can get a, a penalty. We, we're seeing a lot. Right. And there's no repercussions to these refs making these bad calls. We get it. There's some kind of human error to football. Right. When these refs you're going to you're going to miss some calls. But it's gotten to the point where it's so blatant and there's no repercussions for their actions, whether it's intentional or unintentional, that's causing them to make better decisions. That part I don't appreciate. We've, we've seen too many uh, games decided. Big, big plays, right? We ain't talking about the off, just the offsides that the Chiefs had, even though that I think that was fair. They made the right call on that because if, if Tony actually, uh, the wide receiver, he lined up three or four times offsides. People don't know that. Mm-hmm. He lined up that game. That If you look back at it, he lined up offsides at least three times outside of that one. And so I think that was fair. It was it was justified in their actions. But you have some of these calls, man, that are ultimately decided in affecting the game. That part, I think the NFL at some point in time is going to have to step into and say, guys, this game is not about you. People don't pay their money to come and see you. Uh, uh, throw flags. People come to watch the players play. And so they're getting way too involved in the game, I, I feel. Hey, Sean. It's Rocky oh, there he is. Yeah, good to, good to talk <laughs> to you, man, again. Talk to you during the uh, during your coach drive. And it was great stuff. I'm really glad that all worked out and it continues to work out for you. I know you're at a lot of Chargers games. I see your social media. And you do interact with the fans and you go to these games. The Chargers have now lost for the last five. You have the Justin Herbert injury now. This team had such high hopes going into the season. I want to ask you this. Do you sense a growing frustration with this fan base week after week? Where is that frustration level right now? And how do you fix this team going forward? Um, yeah, you're right, man. I, I've always been very, very close to the fans. I, I believe that um, the fans make this thing go. Even when I'm going back and forth, Raiders fans, Dallas fans, Dolphins fans, whoever it is, I, I love the fan interaction because without them, a lot of this isn't possible. I mean, you know, without you guys having the fans you have, nobody's listening to what you guys do. And so the fans are the most important part about what we do. That being said, I think the Chargers did a hell of a job at – rebranding their fan base, converting, transitioning their fan base to L.A. because there was a lot of people who were unhappy at the move. A lot of San Diego fans that were just not supporting the team no matter what because of the move. And there was a lot of uh, uh, people not coming to the games because they just felt like the team and organization wasn't going in the right direction. So I think they did a hell of a job at getting people back there involved. I'm at the stadium. I don't care what people say. And they try to, you know, remember the old, old pictures they used to show where like it was 50, 50. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not that anymore. It, it's a 70, 30, 80, 20 deal. And don't get me wrong. Certain teams just travel better than others, right? You know, if you play the Steelers, you know, if you play, you know, the, the bigger, you know, the bigger fan bases that they're going to travel well. That Buffalo Bills game, there's going to be Bills fans all over the place because they try. I played there. They travel well. They support. And also, too, L.A. is a melting pot for everybody in the country, right? No one's leaving California and going to Kansas City for the barbecue. They ain't doing it. Right? So, you know, the only time they go to Kansas City if they got a high-paying job or, you know, something that caused their family, whatever it is, to leave California to go to Kansas City or, you know, Wisconsin or whatever it is. So, they're always going to be that. So I don't care. 20% of the fans is going to happen because L.A., California in general, is just a melting pot of everybody. But they've done a hell of a job. Now, my biggest fear now and what's going on, the scariest part is 
you can start losing a lot of those fans because they feel that you're not taking action into uh, being better, right, for the team play. Because I don't, I never call for anybody's fire, right? I'm not ever even as bad as it, it's been the last, you know, several weeks or so with the team. I mean, beating, uh, you know, the Patriots six nothing the week before. I mean, you don't feel it's a win. You don't feel good about it. So my biggest fear is because I'm always fan oriented, fan first. Is you're going to start losing the, the the fan base that you successfully built because they don't see any changes made. You know, Brandon Staley coming out at their press conference and saying, "Hey, we're going to keep doing what we're doing." No, the shit you're not right. No, you're not <laughs> right. You're not. You got what the fans want to hear is right when I'm done with this podium. As soon as I get off of this stage, I'm getting in the locker room and changes will be made immediately. That relaxes everybody, right? That makes everybody feel good. No matter if they there's some tough losses, you guys have been playing well. You say that, and the fans say, you know what? There it is. We 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 can support that. When you come and say we we're not changing anything, we're gonna keep doing what we're doing, and you're getting your ass kicked, you're gonna lose some fans that way. You're gonna lose a lot of support. I I, I like Brandon Staley personally. I was one of the guys that he called when he got hired. He called me the night he got hired, and we talked on the phone for about a half an hour. He said all the right things. He, I mean, he was very inspiring. He, he was like dead on and everything he wanted to do was data, very data driven. All, all the things that you're supposed to say. And I, and I actually see why the, the Chargers hired him. Like he does and says all the right things. He's a good leader. But the problem is in the NFL is that if you don't produce, and that's from front office all the way down to coaching staff, training staff, equipment staff, if you're not getting it right, they will look to move on from you. And so if they did move on from Brandon Staley, which they look like they possibly could here shortly, I understand because that performance goes from top to bottom. Sean, no, that's completely understandable with Staley. His seat continues to get hotter, it feels like, as the season goes on. You did say something about no one wants to leave California for Kansas City barbecue. I know a guy that would want to leave California for, for Alabama barbecue. That, that's Philip Rivers, your former teammate. I saw you ran into him at one of the games. I, I just want to get your funniest Philip Rivers story because you see the mic'd up moments, you see all the trash talks, and he see he seems like one of the best trash talkers of all time, but he does it in a way where he really doesn't curse, right? What's your best Philip Rivers story as far as the trash talk goes? So I, when I was at University of Maryland, uh, back when we were in ACC, and obviously we played SC State. So, um, by the way, Philip never beat beat us his whole entire career. I knew on the was, record. <laughs> yeah, on I just want to make sure we're clear on that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so we watch film, right? We watch film on our film, the film that we watch. We don't get the, the broadcast copy. We watch the silent, you know, three, four different angles. So all you see is Philip on the film, just his head. You just see him t- every single play. He's saying something to somebody. And so I just grew a hate for this dude. Like, man, I cannot wait to see him. I'm going to knock this, this dude out, right? I just grew this hate fulfilled because I'm like, he talked every time. You see him smacking guys in the head, smacking guys in the butt after he gets hit. I'm like, this dude really pisses me off, right? It's just, <laughs> it was one of those things where I couldn't stand him. Uh, and then this his last game of his career, we beat them down at NC State. It was a play at the end of the game. Uh, I didn't sack him, but I had a hurry and I hit him in the back of the end. So, I mean, I popped him good, right? I'm trying, I'm laying on him, I'm pushing up and getting off of him. And so, as I'm pushing up and I'm walking away, he grabs my ankle. Uh oh. And twists it, right? Because I'm pushing <laughs> no, up. Man. I'm, 
I started it. I'm not gonna lie. I started it. I pushed off of him and I talked, you know, talked some trash to him. And so instead of him backing down, just letting it go, he grabbed my ankle and I turned around. I was shocked. I said, "This dude got to be a lunatic, right? He's trying like he he has to be crazy." So I turned around and there's this very cool picture. I think I reposted the other day on on uh, on on Twitter where we're face to face, and he came up and he was ready for smoke. He was ready for a full on fight. Wow. And in my head. I said, I went from hating this guy to the ultimate respect. And I was like, man, I like this dude, right? I like this dude a lot. And um, so anyway, we after the game, and I get drafted by them. So I, I'm thinking like, oh, so we we going to go to blows or something, right? Some At some point in the locker room, I know we had three years of just hating each other, you know. And I met him. I was around him. Dude, I tell you, you couldn't be around a better person, a better player, and this dude was the ultimate competitor that you ever seen. People people think because we're seeing now the clips with the, him being mic'd up, we all love it now, right? Because it's just like Phil. You, you look to hear from Phil. For, for, first of all, no cursing. Him, you know, kind of going at guys and whatever it is. And so we'll, that, people think that happened on the field. Dude, during the week, right? Just say we got, uh, we got Seattle, we got the Seahawks, and they will have Walter Jones at tackle. I'm around. I got this during the season, right? So nobody lifts weights hard during the season. We're not lifting heavy weights. I only got the 100, 100 pound dumbbells. I'm just getting my reps in, getting a little something in, trying to just stay stay with it during the season. He goes by all the time. He'll tap me. He's like, you know, those, those 100 pounds, they ain't going to do nothing against Walter Jones, right? So this trash talk and this competitive spirit with him, it never stopped, dude. I'm talking about dominoes, card games. Uh, we used to have these freestyle Fridays and feel what we because he used to listen to everything that we did, right? So Phil, if he heard whatever the hottest commercial radio track was or a song on the on the radio, Phil could start rapping the lyrics. Right. And so you you know, you know, you don't supposed to say and do stuff around kids because they pick up pick up everything you do. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's that dude, that's Phil. If you oh, he, he's so observant, he's so observant that. If you do something around, he's watching every single of your movements. Phil, dude, Phil can walk like me. He, he could do my walk like better than anybody else I've seen because he just he observes. He watches every single thing you do. And I think that for him, that's what made him great, man. Such a competitor. And he will look for ways to to pick at you. I, you give you another prime example. Remember the uh, thing with Yannick, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. The, when Yannick hit him. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's one of the greatest trash talk of all time. Right? He got a 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard. <laughs> and so when Yannick came up there and said, hey, don't scream. And by the way, Yannick said, that's my little bro. That's Maryland guy. He's a turtle. Yep. yep. And so uh, he, when he's screaming, and Yannick came back to him and said, hey, don't yell in my ear. And Philip changed his voice. He said, I will yell in your ear. I will. <laughs> you hear him. And so if you know Phil, right, if you know Phil, he was doing that to get under your skin because he did that to us in practice all the time. If they were lighting us up on the offense side of the ball, we couldn't stop them. He'll walk right up to you. He'll start changing his voice. You'll be walking away from him. He'll follow you and lower his voice. What do you want? He won't stop, right? And so that was him all the time. This was no cameras around. This is every – this is seven days a week. I love that. That's awesome, That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Sean, thanks for uh, joining us. Zach Bonder. I think one of these guys gave me crap for it. But when I heard that you were joining the show, the first thing that popped in my head was the Mohawk in Madden. And it was just absolutely iconic. What made you, one, go to the Mohawk? And 
then you kind of just went away from it. Was there a reason or just weren't feeling the Mohawk anymore? Well, um, it was a couple of days. So I always looked at my, like, you know how, okay. So Leonardo DiCaprio, right. He's not walking around talking like the great Gatsby all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not, you know, he's not, He's not in character four four times. So for me, you know, those sixty minutes, those forty, those uh, four quarters, I get a chance to be lights out. Mm-hmm. And so, Lawrence Taylor was was my favorite player growing up, and I, not just because his his physical ability, but for, from the standpoint of somebody just literally putting fear in another grown man. And I was like, I love that. That that mm-hmm. was what drew me, you know, kind of drew me to Lawrence Taylor. And so, you know, he got this nickname I've had since I was sixteen years old with lights out. And I was, you know, in kind of a young guy. I was the youngest, one of the youngest on the team. I was 20 years old, one of the youngest ever to get when I got drafted. Mm-hmm. And so this whole lights out and a dance and a moniker and stuff. And so one day I just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm going all in. Right. I'm going blue mohawk. Mm-hmm. I'm going, you know, I'm you know, I'm tatted up. I'm trying to rip people heads off. And so for four quarters, I'm I'm lights up. And this is who I am. And I could do anything I want to. I, I give you just hope. The, the, the reason why I got playing football, I was uh, my first time doing a uh, ESPN piece. I was rated, I think, top 20 or 30, whatever it was, in the country player, right, uh, as a sophomore going into my junior year. Never had an immediate experience, never had a camera in my face and all that stuff, whatever. So a reporter from ESPN, back when they had the tape recorders, right, they, mm-hmm. they tape you, they, you know, they tape you. In. So he came up and he said, um, he asked me all these questions. And then his final question said, Sean, you play with so much passion. What, what what made you want to play football? Um, and I'm 16 years old, right? Or going on yeah, 16 years old. I looked at him in the eyes and said, "Sir, I can do anything I want to anybody and not go to jail." That that's what I told my reasons for playing football. That's incredible. Yes, <laughs> at 16. At, at 16. 16. <laughs> <laughs> that's an all-time quote, man. This reporter stopped it. He cut the thing off. He looked at me with the, it was the most awkward 15 or 20 seconds ever. I'm sure he thought I was going to prison, right? I'm sure of it. That he thought I was going to be a criminal. And so it was, it was almost in a sense, man, that was my outlet to where I grew from, where I grew up, what I was going through as a kid. We grew up very tough and it's a very mm-hmm. tough environment. And it was my outlet for those couple hours to let loose on anybody that came across my path. So that's what I was meaning to say. But I, I told this reporter, I said, hey, look, man, I can do anything I want to anybody and not go to jail. Big smile on my face, right? So happy about it. I thought I said something great. And the reporter's looking at me like, this dude is a damn maniac, right? He's going to jail for sure, right? Oh, no no doubt. I think, it, you know, I think that's the exact impression you left. But, <laughs> but, but damn, hey, it works. But, you know, you got to have that type of mindset. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Just yeah, came out it, a little differently. It, it came out. It came out different. <laughs> I trust. I had no media experience. It, I, it came out totally wrong. And I, I look back on it when I finally started doing more and more interviews, and I look back and I can't believe I said that shit. Right? Like, why would I say that? <laughs> yeah, but it came from the heart. If right? I was another sixteen-year-old uh, on the opposing team and I read that before playing, I'd be like, I do not want to play this no, guy. Like, like what? I, algebra and going to face y'all. Yeah, that's. What, <laughs> you know what? Thank God that reporter never ran with that. It put that in. There ain't no college. <laughs> would Maryland would Maryland would look at me. No one would look at me. You know. Um, Probably would have had you rushing the passer a lot sooner. <laughs> yeah, but they, they would, I would have been doing it in a white jacket. They would have had a white jacket <laughs> while I did it. So, 
Uh, but it, anyway, it was this it was this whole like, uh, you know, for four quarters for, for 60 minutes, I got a chance to be lights out. And that was when the Blue Mohawk came to dance and, you know, the, the, my style and play and, and everything else. So. And, so, and then one thing that I think in the NFL, a debate that has been super interesting to me, and I know we talk about this sometimes, is grass versus turf. Do you think as someone who unfortunately had lower body injuries during his career, do you see a difference? Do you think there's that big of a difference or is it just, it happens, unfortunately? For me, not as much, mm -hmm. right? Um, because I got about five hard steps before I get to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Now, skill positions, DBs, corner, you know, DBs, mm -hmm. say, you know, uh, wide receivers, anybody who has to run a long period of time, stop on the dime, cut, change direction, I don't think it's that safe. Yeah. Uh, natural grass would be the way to go for them. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, you know, five steps, I'm back there. Quarterback got to mm -hmm. throw the ball three seconds or less. I ain't got anything to worry about. Um, also, you know, a little bit faster, too, on turf, mm -hmm. right? A little, little mm -hmm. bit faster on turf than you are on natural grass. But there are there is a, a risk, a higher risk of injury. So, I'm, as my positional position, I, I wasn't opposed to playing on turf. Yeah. Um, but I can definitely see the skill positions having a problem for them because there's a higher risk for injury for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely been a talking point throughout the NFL for a while, you know, and seeing guys. And, and at the end of the day, no one wants to see anyone get hurt, especially on the non-contact shit, right? Like, that's the part that really – um sucks but that is a part of the game right now and the other part of it too is you switch the grass it can be more forgiving but when weather happens then that creates a whole other different situation um two couple things because we're based in baltimore so obviously gonna ask you a couple things raven related uh were you a baseball fan growing up by the way sean you don't Cal, have to be. That's okay. Yeah, Cal, Cal Ripken dude, was, my, was my favorite player of all time no, don't, don't say that don't, don't say that yeah, that's no, my favorite dude you know, i, I I, uh, still to this, when I was a kid, I met him um, when I was in, when I was in high school. I met him. He had a signing or something like that out in Baltimore. He had a signing, and I got a chance to meet him. Dude, I was so starstruck just looking at him. Oh, he was damn. like my favorite, my favorite baseball player of all yeah. time. What? Well, then, then, well, I'm glad. I'm glad someone's starstruck by him. I don't carry the same feeling. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's because maybe maybe just because it's dad to me, and I got to deal with the other shit of. A little yeah, different, little different. A, a little different of a love, but um, I guess uh, Shekel's asking here, did you attend the 2130 game then at that point? Did you were able to go when he broke the streak? No, no, I, I didn't, I didn't make that one. Um, actually, my first professional football game was the Ravens in 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a home game, that was my first uh professional game that I've at all to, ever. Yeah, my 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 freshman year in high school, and so we were poor, man. We didn't have shit, you know. Going to a game that was out was out of the question. We was, we couldn't pay rent. Yeah, um, and so my coaches, my high school coaches, uh, had asked me. They said, um, "Hey, do, do you want to see a real linebacker play?" And I was like, "Sure." You know, I was watch football, not you know. And they was like, "All right, we're gonna go take it to see Ray Lewis." And they they gathered some money together. We we went to the to the game. This was in two thousand. This is the year they won the Super Bowl, right? Was it 2000 they won the Super Bowl that year? The yes. Yep. yep, that's it. Pretty decent so, defense. So they, they they didn't have much money either. So they all put some money together, and we went to the Ravens game. I, we set up about five seats lower than the light bulbs, right? Like I, if a light bulb went out, I could have reached up there and changed it myself. <laughs> we were we were way up there. But I was happy. I, first time I seen a professional game in, in person, and they had all these stars that came out, right? Uh, 
uh, Jamie, Jamie Sharper and Goose and, you know, I think Jamal Lewis is on that team. I mean, all, this whole, all these stars that they had. And then finally at the end, the music cut off, the, um, the, everything got quiet. It was a big pause and fans got loud. And at the time, I don't know why they're screaming. I'm like, up there, I thought the whole team had came out, right? So I, they, got, they got quiet. They got real loud. They started screaming. It was this big pause. And all I heard is, it's getting hotter. And it came up <laughs> fireworks and Electric. smoke. So, <laughs> so I, I mind you, I used to laugh at people when I was a kid um, when they used to go to concerts, Michael Jackson concerts, they would scream and laugh and, you know, they, they would scream and pass out and sweat. And I was like, dude, it's a damn person, right? It, he's Michael, he's Michael, he's a person just like you, just like me, just like anyone else. And so I never knew what this feeling was like. And Ray came out in the crowd with this fireworks and the smoke and he came out dancing and it was like, I was at a concert. And I felt that that faint, that lightheadedness, because I was, I was, I mean, I some came over me where I didn't realize what was going on because I'd never seen anything like that before in my life in person. Never been to a concert, never been to a pro uh, pro game. And I remember this. I said after he came out and everything calmed back down, I turned to my coaches and I said I want to do something to make people feel like how I felt when Ray Lewis came out. So when I got drafted by the Chargers, I was always the last one to come out. That's how the lights out dance and all that stuff, man. So, yeah, man, I, I was, you know, I was fortunate to kind of be around it. And, you know, Kyle Ripkins, oh, I don't care what nobody say. He's he's going to be my favorite player, man. I, I, <laughs> that's that's who I grew up on. All right. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll let that be then. That's fine. <laughs> it, you know, it's one. I tell people, they've heard this joke how many times, but people tell me all the time, like, man, I love your dad. And I sit there, I'm like, I stop traffic i i do too i love him too, for, for different reasons i don't care that he played well right um but it's cool hearing the ray lewis uh part of that you know brad and i we actually just were talking about just kind of the impact you know ray's had on the community and just the experience in general right brad yeah and and, and it actually got me wondering it's, it's perfect that you're talking about ray because you know now there's roquan smith that you know is is that dude in Baltimore. And, and there's been a lot of comparisons of this Baltimore defense to uh, that 2000 uh, defense as well. Not, not quite as like uh, in uh, the, there's a bunch of bruisers like there was back in 2000, even though there, there is on this squad, but you know, do you see qualities in Roquan that, uh, that you saw in, in Ray Lewis as well? And, and how do you think today's defense on the Ravens, I mean, uh, first in the league in points per game and uh, second in yards, I believe, as well. So, like, is there some similarities that you're seeing between uh, both of those squads uh, from, from 2000 to, to today, even though it's obviously quite a different NFL? Yeah, yeah, no question about it. I think that um, Roquan Smith is the closest thing that you can get to Ray in this day and time. I, I really do. And I, I hate comparisons, man. I'm, I remember my big uh, rookie year I had. I went to the Pro Bowl, all pro, defensive rookie, and all that stuff. And I remember writing an article in the Union Tribune in San Diego comparing me to Junior Sal. And I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm, mind you, I'm I think I'm 21 years old at the time or something like that. And I'm sitting there in front of my locker reading this piece uh, that they wrote in the Union Tribune. And I was like, God, don't, you know, I hate comparisons. For one, Junior Sal in San Diego, dude, there was nobody bigger that ever came through San Diego and Southern California in general sports, in my opinion, right? And uh, so I hate comparing anybody to, to Ray Lewis because for somebody that did it as high as he did on that level for as long as he did, 
it's next to impossible in this day and age for guys to do that, and for, especially with one team. It's, we just don't we don't see it like that too often. With with, with Smith and, and Queen and inside, I think they're the best one two tandem in football in general. And I love Fred. Fred one is one of my favorite players. I love watching Fred. A couple other guys, you know, I can kind of throw out there that, that fit in that mix. Um, but when you're talking about the tenacity and the physicalness of how they play the game, that he's the closest thing to Ray. And so I. Uh, Chuck, when they brought in Chuck Smith, too, also, right? So Chuck Smith was my pass rush coach in the offices. I used to go see Chuck Smith in Atlanta, and I used to stay for a week plus at a time, and I worked with him for hours, sometimes twice a day when I go see him. So when I saw them bringing him on the staff, I said, you know what? They're about to look a whole lot different. Because Chuck is – when it comes to teaching, there's nobody better that I've worked with. And I've probably worked with 10 or 15 different pass rushing coaches in the country track coaches starting coaches when i tell you the, the technicality of what chuck does it's no it's I'm, it's no surprise that jay davion clowney has bounced back he went missing for three or four years in the nfl he did. He flashes of him making big plays here and there when he's in cleveland his tail end up with, with the texans we say flashes. we haven't seen him play like this in the last four years and so there's i'm not surprised Look what they're doing. Look what they're building out there. Look at their attitudes. And more importantly, forget the tackles that he made. Look how they're making tackles. They are finishing, punishing guys. Punish. They're the most physical team, in my opinion, in the NFL, in their style of play. So, um, so yeah, man, I, I love watching those guys and just what they're building in general. That uh, We feel the same way, but it's always nice when you have someone that went through it and can see it and can show it because – I mean, man, it, it's been really fun to watch this group in Baltimore because this this style of play, the NFL's changed, and and this style of play, that's the part with Roquan. It's been fun to see the physicality, the attention to detail, and, and they're flying around the field, which is uh, incredible. And they're bringing back, in my opinion, value back to a position that wants to be kind of devalued more and more over the last few years. Uh, another thing, because we'll ask one more question that I want to hear about what you are up to right now because I know you're up to a few things um, but the last one to ask you, it's the, the biggest number eight nowadays. Sorry, Calvin yeah. Edwin Ripken Jr., but it's Lamar Jackson. <laughs> it's um, and I think correct me if I'm wrong here. In a few years ago, you said he was Vic 2.0, right? Is that something does that sound about right? Mm-hmm. And you said he was exceptional from, from the pocket. Has anything changed since then, or has, has Lamar exceeded any expectations for you as we move forward now into his now fifth fifth season, sixth season in the NFL? Six. Six. Crazy. I think he's gotten a, a hell of a lot more accurate. Um, and he, there's nothing for us. We all he's he's always had a big arm. He's always had a had a big arm. He always can throw that throw the ball down the field. Um, what he's doing now is pinpointing passes when he's rolling out the pocket and getting outside and between those tackles. Um, you know, he'll run when necessary. See, in the, in the past, he would just take off unless – don't get me wrong. Unless it's a, a design RPO run action, he's taking off run or whatever. He's, he's a way better decision maker than he is right now. Yeah. And I don't know if that just came with maturity. Um, maybe that's something he focused on because he got so much, hey, I'm a running quarterback and, and – I don't know what it was, but something happened with him. What he's just a much better decision maker. He's much more of a pinpoint accurate passer, especially when he's on a run now and creating stuff with his with his legs. He used to look to just run when he tucked the ball. He's actually keeping his eyes down the field. So I don't know what happened over this last year or so, but he's he's changed his game tremendously. That's why they're having a lot of success. And don't get me wrong, that defense is is outstanding. 
But the way he's placing the ball and when he threw the ball down the field to Odell Beckham, and I know that Odell made a hell of a catch, readjusting to the ball, getting his eyes back up and finding the ball and finding it. But Lamar Jackson put that ball where nobody else can catch it. But yeah. I, a couple of years ago, that wouldn't have happened. That just wouldn't have happened. That would have been a pick or incomplete pass. He put that ball where only Odell can catch the football. Great route, found the ball, but only Odell can catch it. That's that's where I see his game elevating at this point in his career. He's gotten a lot more accurate, and his decision-making skills are, are way better. So then, quick, do you believe then, last thing then, it sounds like, you believe then the Lamar Jackson that's playing right now, this team can win the AFC? If he stays healthy, yeah. yeah. If he stays if he healthy, stays yeah. Healthy. It's the biggest thing is staying healthy, right? I feel like everyone, unfortunately, has gotten hurt this year. Um, and that's hence someone got hurt. Joe Flacco came back. You know, that's that's how it works. Um, but talk to us about with light your lights out extreme fighting. Because I know that's something you've been you've been dialed into, and I want you to explain more about that. Yeah. So I I um I actually started to train a bit myself, man, back when I was playing. So mm -hmm. you know, Jake Laser at Fox Sports, and um, yeah, I was training in his gym. Uh, I grew up in PG County, Maryland, man. So I, my, I had uncles were professional boxers, family around. I used to have, remember, champion boxers used to come in our neighborhoods, be around, you know, uh, um, in Palmer Park area. You had uh, Sugar Ray's Leonard Gym there, round one in Capitol Heights, bunch of gyms in D.C. So I was hanging around the boxer gyms anyway because my family were professional boxers. So I was just kind of around it. Yeah. So I picked it up gradually anyway. But MMA just started coming on the scene after I got drafted by the Chargers on the West Coast. A lot of most of the MMA fighters train in Cali between Vegas and California. I would say 70% of, of MMA fighters were training in California and Vegas at that point. It wasn't the gyms or in Texas or Florida and Midwest like they are now. More, It's more of a global sport. Back then, it was like 70% of the fighters, you were in California. So I started training with uh, Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz. I was around all these guys. They would come to the games, and I would give them tickets to the game. And I'm like, hey, look, I'll, I'll hook you up with the tickets. But I'm training with y'all during the offseason, so just we, let's lock that in. And uh, I, I found it to help me a lot in football, right? My hand died. I wasn't that great with my hands starting out. I was big, fast, strong, and explosive. Wasn't that great with my hands. I ended up getting a lot better with my hands. So I trained every single offseason, um, and I ended up launching Lights Out in 2019. Um, yeah, I was Actually, I worked with Bellator for about a year and a half as an ambassador. I would you know, work on the, uh, be with them with venue deals, matchmaking, production. So I got about a year and a half or two with Bellator before I actually launched my own uh, organization. Uh, we're at Fubo TV, Fubo Sports now. Uh, we just finished our uh, Lights Out of Streaming Fighting 12, that we had uh, about three or four weeks ago. We just jumped 90% viewership on Fubo. Yeah, awesome. two fights before that, we jumped 70%. Um, and so what's cool about it is, is that we're seeing these, jumps because i get the opportunity to do this right we're, we're talking football now obviously yeah. whatever i can always talk i can always talk lights out until i'm blue in the face because of what we're doing I, and I, I think there's a, a big intersection a big you know um bridge gap in between fan bases as well i think there's something there too as well um so yeah we got a big fight coming up uh january 6th in long beach california we'll be live on football tv football sports at uh 6 p.m pacific January 6th, 6 p.m. Pacific, Pacific, yeah. we do it. So 9 p.m. on the East Coast. Yep. That's electric. So that's the next fight, and that will all be on Fubo. 
yeah, they all be live on Fubo, and then a week later we air on um, on various platforms. Bali's being one of them; it's a big one for us. Um, Samsung, Vizio, Am- Amazon, Freebie. We're on a bunch of different platforms, but we'll be live on uh, Fubo TV uh, January sixth. Amazing. Well, I- I'm gonna have to to dive into that. I, I will say this. I, I don't think I could ever pull off being a fighter. No, the, I had to ask you what, Yeah, you don't think I could be a fighter. No, you don't have the no body type. You get there's no chance. Come on, man. No, no chance. Shot. Yeah. Sorry. 10,000 subs, me and Ryan. Okay. Well, that's, that's a no brainer, Sean. I, I get picked on all the time. They think, cause I just retired from playing baseball. Uh, and I'm more lanky and I'm skinnier, but they don't think I can kick their ass. They should know hey, well, hold on. Okay, so this is what I'm saying. Okay, so I, I'm actively working. No, let me let me do my pitch real quick. All right, yeah, so, do your pitch. Do your pitch. So I, I I am you know successfully transitioning. A lot of football players, right? That's coming over, and we we're getting the guys that don't have the opportunity. They play three, four years in the league. Maybe play college ball, at Alabama, Florida State. They try to maybe play, bounce around a couple years in the league. They're saying, you know what, the hell with this. I'm gonna go whoop some ass, right? So we're yeah. we're we're actively transitioning those guys. But what I'm seeing now, there's a couple basketball players, there's a couple baseball players that are are now getting more and more to the sport. And one thing about us, if you're if you're an athlete in another sport, especially a pro athlete, you're not walking into the cage with two left feet. Right. Like you're not you're you're, at, you're athlete and our learning curve is a lot faster. We we're disciplined athletes, especially pro athletes, are the most disciplined people on the planet Earth. Right. From the time we we're 10, 11, 12 years old, we're told to be in a meeting, be at film study, be at work, uh, study hall. We're, we're, we're on a time basis and we know how to work. We know how to uh, we're not afraid to get coached. Right. I remember when I first started. Doing MMA, I was getting my ass kicked and they're getting taken to the ground by 180 pound wrestlers, right? <laughs> Couldn't get up. I was frustrated as hell. And I just like, man, I'm, I'm coming back in. I'm whooping somebody ass tomorrow. I got my ass kicked. Somebody's getting their ass kicked tomorrow. And I come in and get my ass kicked again. All right, you know what? Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow's the day, right? And, and so what happened was I didn't hang my head. I almost looked at it as a challenge to get better. So we're actively transitioning a lot of these former athletes from other sports that still want to compete, right? Especially football players. Yeah. Baseball, you know, big contracts, guaranteed contracts. Those guys may or may not. They're like, we're, we're fine. We don't need to go take, we'll do anything else. But with football players, like, when you're done, you're done. When they come back to that playbook, you are done, right? And you can go have the greatest agent in the world for teams decide to move on from you. That's it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's an honor, privilege to get a chance to play on that level. But you you want to move on and compete to something else. So don't, don't be shocked. Um, there, there, I've got, I can't think of his name off the top of my head as a pitcher that does a lot of boxing in MMA and I've seen him go. He can actually, he can actually fight that. There's going to be some, some guy that said, you know what? I'm tired of AAA, right? I'm tired of getting tossed back down. I'm tired of no calls. I'm going to go whip some ass. Those are the people that I want. I want the guys that are tired, pissed off and want to whip some ass. So I'll, I'll get those guys. So you got you got four of them here. So next time you're in the area, you might have to train all of us. <laughs> MMA wise, get us in the cage. Yeah, for content reasons, get a little. That's that's <laughs> like, ain't gonna be good for you. Yeah, I mean, that, I would, that right, I would that right there, don't, don't get your ass whooped. I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That that, that probably that's probably why I, need the training. I, I get I get where you're going with it. <laughs> I, I understand what you, the, the mind process now, but you you definitely gonna get your ass whooped. That yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Someone, yeah, I, th- thank Someone you for putting him in this damn place, Sean. No, this no, is I'm why just, I need I'm, the training. I like, to, I like to be helpful, man. I like to be yeah. helpful. This is why I need the training. This is why we're transitioning. Exactly. Well, great to you, Sean. Yeah, well, Sean, the next time you can give us a little tutorial on it, but but with lights out, with lights out, extreme. 
January 6th. You're looking yeah. for guys. If you're done with shit and you want to be competitive, um, we'll send them your way too. I don't think it'll be us, but we can use the training. Um, I think that's it. I think yeah. we've, we've kept you long enough. Uh, if you're ever in Maryland, Baltimore, would love to uh would love to return the favor for you. I know you got a lot of dealings back here, but may, maybe meet up down at the University of Maryland. Um, absolutely, absolutely appreciate it. All right, Sean. Well, hey, thank you, thank you, Sean. Appreciate you enjoy you. the rest of the night, and uh, we'll talk thank later. You, Sean. you got it, guys. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. I'm gonna have to work on the duck and. I'm dive. so glad he that called your so ass out. <laughs> good. That was hilarious. That was you just so bobbing funny. and weaving, like throwing these lanky punches right there. You'd probably get popped a thousand times without before a, you hit someone. Without a doubt. I'm that not was, saying I wouldn't, but you. Oh yeah. Well, that yeah. was the funny part. Was I was like, it's I was fantastic. doing it in my head. I was like, I wonder if I'm on screen. And then I looked down, and he was like. You go get your I'm so like, glad <laughs> he just caught you doing it. Yeah, it was Perfect. so great. Great cameraman did you dirty on that one. Yeah, you're you're welcome. <laughs> that was good job, Rip. Um, or Brad, whoever. Um, wow, hey, that was that was great, and uh, it went longer obviously than we anticipated. But I I wanted that Sean was a to keep conversation. Up. But you that know what great. I love too about it? I, I love hearing the passion that he talks about after sports. You know, after the after your one career ends, and and I do think that is a void for athletes that they're missing. Um, I wish I could kick someone's ass. I'll be honest. It's probably not in my my strong suit. And don't say it's in either of your guys' strong suits. I just, I just, just want to know out. who's whooping his ass all those times. because The, the 180 I, fighters? Yeah. yeah I'm like, wondering the same the, thing. Yeah, because I don't – like if Sean Merriman walked in here, like you would not look at a 180-pound person and be like, oh, he can whoop his ass. But just how trained they are, like, those are the most dangerous fighters. That's like the whole, I don't know if you see, like, Bradley Martin talk mm -hmm. at all. And he's yeah. just like, I'm 260. He's like, I would kill this guy who's, like, like no. 160 over here. And I think he had a professional boxer on. I forget who it was. Mm -hmm. But they said, dude, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't even like, come Like, you close. would get hit 20 times before you got to me. Yeah, before you even realize what's happening. That's how technical, that's how hard these guys train. It's awesome. And when they get into the cage, they're they're there to die. They're like, all right, like this could be it. I'll tell you what, though, I'm going to be locked in on the uh, on the event on January 6th. Like, I'm, I'm definitely going. I'm that. hooked on that. I I am yep. I am very very interested. We got to see it. We got we gotta have Sean back on because I want to talk to him about his WWE career too. Oh, we'll have to yeah, we'll have to schedule have it back to. in. Uh, so we went. I also won't say I don't think Brad would win out of the four of us. This no, is, there's no chance. I. He's got, gonna, I mean, he's the only father out of the four. He does. Oh, he, he has dad, dad strength. strength. He has dad strength. Oh, is different, man. That's, Damn. That's that has so nothing cool. to do with it. I I, 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 would, I, I don't know if Mal, I don't know what Malachi is seeing, but uh, I would have <laughs> well, seen you, he's seen you fall like, walk into the game. So. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I ate shit tripping over a, a scooter in the city. So <laughs> that was, yeah, I guess Malachi was impressed. He was impressed by how quickly he got up. Yeah, very a quick, quick recovery. He knows Brad can take a hit and get up. He was very right. impressed. You see, Joe, he wants us in the cage at 3,000 subscribers. I don't know if he means you versus me or just like us both I, in the cage. Well, but. at first he said with Rocco with 3,000 subscribers. I, at first I thought you were taking oh, on our first 3,000 like, subscribers. What, what is it, like one versus 3,000 over <laughs> yeah, here? Like, that'd be incredible. Like, all our subscribers versus Rocco. Joe just wants to see me suffer. I mean, who who doesn't, by the way? Just kidding. You're a good kid. But if you are That's new funny. to this, help us get to that 3,000 <laughs> subs as we're getting closer. We're approaching. If you're new, if you hit that subscribe and like button, we would – Really appreciate it. Um, and we're going to have more guests like Sean on. And I love the fact, if you missed it, we're going to have some clips up. But him talking about Ray Lewis and 
talking about Lamar Jackson and talking oh about his experiences God. with the Chargers. Uh, what a book of knowledge. Dude, you know? the way he was talking about Chuck Smith, the, uh, yes, the pass yeah. rush coach for the Ravens, I've heard a lot of players just like light up and talk about him, but the way that he was so passionate immediately was like, we have to talk about Chuck Smith, like how he, what he's done with Jadavion and guys Dude, like that. That was the beautiful. respect factor. The guy's mm -hmm. called Dr. Rush for a reason. Mm -hmm. He has that reputation and you could see it. Justin Matabike was working with Chuck Smith. <laughs> he's leading the team in sacks, a defensive lineman, not an outside linebacker. He's top 10 or, in the league yeah. in sacks too. Yeah. He's balling. I mean, Matabike is balling. And I, I love that. That's the insight that uh, we had the hard-pressing questions about asking about Mohawks, and then we ask about yeah. more specific stuff. And I think this is a good topic to go into then, guys, because hey, we, we went longer. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to shout out Shekel. We did. We, we asked this question, but I just wanted to say thanks for the donate, my man. Yeah. Shekel, oh, hey, yeah, Shekel. Shekel. Hey, a, round, a round of applause here around, around the group. And I got to stop doing above the head. Yeah, what the hell I, are we doing? Keep on clapping the mic, so I have to go above here, so I don't. And that's why you're. Like you're that's why like you're. Safety signal. Yeah, I keep giving. Well, last week I was doing this for the Dolphins, but this isn't really a dolphin. What the hell are we doing? Oh, it's like the skull. Okay. No skull. No, this. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, obviously. Okay. Right, that was a loud. All right, easy. Heel. Sorry, Heel. Sorry, cinnamon. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, where's the cat herder? Yeah, we're dead. Brad. All right. We're, we're, so. So since, since this went over, over by, by the way, Shekel, thank you for asking. Yeah, it was unfortunate. The one thing I didn't like that he said that Cal was his favorite player. That's unfortunate. That's a check mark against. <laughs> you know what? I should have cut it off right there, Sean. It's been a pleasure. Um, <laughs> have a good night, bro. Have a good night. No, in all, in all seriousness, it is cool hearing those those sides of it. You know, um, I, I really do appreciate it. And, and I know the community has. Uh, but since we kind of gone overboard with it, I think we get, we just uh, executive decision. We're going to just jump right into Ravens right now. Yeah. Because yeah. I think we just talked about some great Ravens moments. I think people want to talk about the Ravens in general here. It's getting close to the Monday night, the doubleheader, by the way. Can we? What? Brilliant, one brilliant idea for Monday night football, two games. I think it should be a staple. Who decided they were starting at the exact same time? What? Thank you. Yes, that same question. That's not a, that's not a double header. That's, yeah, just, that's just two that's games. Stupid. Yeah. You know what? Let me let me talk to corporate. Like do a seven thirty, like nine o'clock. Stagger it a little bit. Yeah, like do yeah. something so like one game starts at halftime, like something. Love it. They exactly. did that. To, they they did that charge. to start the season. You they did do that. Yeah, exactly. And it worked out perfectly. I could watch a lot of football. Uh, you know, you got any uh, you got any spicy bets for tonight while the game kicks off or no? Uh, Tyreek, I, I want to bet Tyreek Hill, but like his yardage is at 111 well, already. I want to take the over because of the fantasy mishap that I'm or the situation that I'm in right now. Oh, because yeah. I know he's going to go for like 170 yards and like two touchdowns tonight. It's Probably gonna, I'm going to, it's bad. I just hope the Titans better just hold him. So let's get into the fun stuff. Let's get into the fun yeah, stuff, so. shall we? And the fun stuff is this Ravens game yesterday. And, and guys, Holy shirts and pants. And especially with the weather game, you thought maybe it was going to be low scoring. Maybe, you know, something really strange would happen. But what actually happened was an incredibly entertaining football game capped off with an unbelievable play by Tylen Wallace. And you guys have seen it all over. We're going to show it again because it wasn't just Ravens fans jumping up and down over this. Look at the Ravens bench. Look at Patrick Queen here. Everybody going nuts and quite frankly it was nuts 
<laughs> Patrick Queen's outrunning Lamar Jackson, which was interesting. Yeah, that was what I, I noticed that too. Also, I do want to point out these videos are not synced up to the exact same time because at first I thought it was, and I was like, our entire team is on the field and he has not yeah. scored yet. But then I realized <laughs> that they were, I was like, okay, guys, let's not chance this being a Kansas City thing and we get a th flag thrown. Like the uh, Cal Stanford game. Yeah. Like when I saw, I was like, our entire team is running on the field and it still has met the 30 yard line. So they are not synced up. I did notice that. Well, synced up, not synced up. Ravens won that that game and man, did they need it. And especially everything happened in this game, mm -hmm. by the way. Everything. It was that it was back and forth, Lamar making great plays, Matt Stafford, Lamar then taking the team down the field on that third and 17, scoring uh, on the, a great play, Zay Flowers, and we'll talk a little bit about what Nelson Algalors uh, was involved with that. And the Ravens get a win, and they're, their first, they're the first team in the AFC to get to 10 wins. And that's the biggest part. The Dolphins can join them soon here. We're recording this before the Monday night game. But then Pat McAfee then, Brad on on his show started talking about these Baltimore Ravens and I think it's very interesting so we want to show you it and then we'll talk about it on the other side them but we're, Baltimore we're, we haven't talked about a lot nobody has. why not no. why haven't we had why, like for how good they're playing how good Lamar is why him. haven't we talked about him more I mean we certainly do but I'm talking about the national uh conversation when we say we we're just talking about like okay. sports general, talk yeah. as a whole it hasn't been super flashy like even though they have Lamar, yeah. they, they do Great everything. Defense. They do everything good. I don't know if they've done anything, anything like what super catch. great, but like, like they just, two of those yesterday. They just been the Ravens. They've just been incredibly solid, like they are all the time. And I think right now in the AFC, if you're just incredibly solid, you're going to win football games because there's a lot of up and down going on. But yeah, I mean, they just Odell had a sweet game yesterday. Yeah, that was. Oh yeah, he, he, and go. There's a couple catches where he's looking one way and turns the other way. Might have been wind, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it could have been any of that stuff. Not a bad little. Okay, all right. Uh, Odell doing his thing. Uh, that is a classic Odell Beckham. <laughs> I appreciate. But if they lose Baltimore now, mm -hmm. they were sitting in the driver's seat to go get home field advantage. Is this Baltimore team built to go on a uh, like a real Lombardi run right now? Yeah, uh, Lamar's doing the, the biggest question about Lamar for a lot of people uh, watching the game would be. Can he throw the ball? Can he throw the ball from the pocket? The situation where it's two minutes, one feet in the clock. Do you have confidence in him to drive? Do he have? Does he have the weapons to throw it to to drive it down the field? And I think he's answered that question this season. Zay Flowers just keeps getting better. Odell, I oh, feel yeah. like maybe he's getting healthier, maybe just getting more acclimated with the offense. But he's getting better every week. There it is. I mean, I think they're right. People haven't talked about Baltimore as much recently, mm -hmm. fellas, and maybe it's just because of headlines around the Chiefs. And then the Ravens were on by. They had that that really tight, sweated out, like Joe's saying, did it require a 12 30 a.m. shower, sweating it out type of feel? Oh, it was. <laughs> it kind of was. It was even probably would have been even later if the Ravens played a night game there. But the reality is the Ravens won. And actually, the Rams to me, they're sneaky kind of good right mm, now. Real sneaky. I mean, Matt Stafford is healthy. When Matt Stafford's healthy, things happen. When they have Puka and Cooper and Kyron Williams, and by the way, they still have the best defensive player on the planet, Aaron Donald's not getting all the recognition because he doesn't maybe put up all the stats, but he still gets doubled get, or triple teamed. I was going to say, it's hard to do when you get triple teamed every other play. I mean, that guy's an absolute monster. That. Yeah, exactly. And, and so that's my point is that they have really good pieces. And with that game, Lamar makes the comeback. And then Matt Stafford draw, uh, drives them right down the field to tie the game. I mean, it was so back and forth. But guys, here the Ravens now, with the losses yesterday, 
are right where they need to be. And that is complete, completely in control of their own destiny to be the number one seed. You know, one other thing I'll let you guys talk about that I really loved of yesterday's game, the downfield shots, being aggressive. Yeah. yeah. And man, did they, because those explosive plays to Likely, to Odell, even Zay's touchdown, those ended up being huge difference makers. And in the past of us talking about this, this wasn't that we didn't think the Ravens could throw the ball down the field. It was, this is what can happen when Lamar has enough time and the players are allowed to take more opportunities deep. I well, mean, and he had a ton of time because uh, when we were, you know, you were just talking about the 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 Rams obviously having you know good defensive players, but Lamar had a ton of time to throw. I would say that the the defensive line for the Rams is probably their weakest spot because even with Lamar having so much time to throw the ball, it seemed as if their secondary had everything on lockdown. So that, but to your point. If the offensive line for the Ravens can hold up and give Lamar that kind of time down down the stretch and even into the playoffs, I mean, it's going to be a super dangerous team for sure. And if they do get that number one seed, of course, we'll have home field advantage throughout. And this was another thing that the Pat McAfee show was also talking about was like home field advantage and uh, actually talking from experience about what that was like. So take a listen here as well. Like Baltimore. Sure. That's a real home field advantage. Oh, yeah. Big time. Oh, yeah. You know, like the weather. I, I watched uh, Stav, Stav, yeah, Stavros, Stavros. Stavros. I watched his Netflix special mm -hmm. yeah. the other night when I got home and I couldn't sleep. I love that he's 5'7". I didn't uh -huh. know that. He's a weapon. I learned that in that whole thing. But he does, obviously, his reaction videos afterwards. And uh, he was talking about, like, who he is in those videos. Mm -hmm. Like the Baltimore white trash. Mm -hmm. much. Yeah, his family. And I think if you heard anybody talk, I guess me, about that Baltimore stadium, and we were the Colts. And you got to remember the history of the Colts in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. You know, Ursay's dad picked up the team, put them in a Mayflower truck, and shipped them out of town overnight, a day after saying, we ain't going anywhere, stop it. Mm -hmm. I got to go to dinner, guys. Yep. And then we're <laughs> getting out of here, and he leaves. So there's still generations of hate towards the Colts. But every time we played there, I had nothing but respect for the things that they were saying. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some fan bases that are willing to say stuff. Oh, yeah. And with the way Munkin's running that team. Oh. Oh. What happened? I don't know. But I think we got the gist of it. Yeah. I think we got the gist of it here is that. <laughs> Um, Basically, so so Darius Bucker was also talking about like uh, the the overall atmosphere and like the uh, when when he was playing and Ray Lewis was there and talking about like just like that overall, uh, um, you know, just uh, when when Ray would grab the grass and stuff like that, just like the feelings you got, like was wasn't really like you haven't seen that anywhere else uh, in the NFL. And it, to be fair for me, like I've never been to any other NFL stadium, so I don't really know like. Do we do we really have it that good at home field? Does anybody else? Have, I mean, I know that Rocco obviously obviously has too. So, like, speak from experience if you guys have been anywhere other than M and T. Who would like to start off, Rock? NFL wise, I've been to Heinz Field. I'll never call it a Chrysler Stadium. Um, Is it Acrisure? Simply do Acrisure, Chrysler. I don't. Dude, oh, it's I don't know what it is. Oh, That's exactly why I will call it Heinz. And it <laughs> please, should be please refer Heinz. to it as his correct. Yeah, name. please refer to it as Heinz. Been to the link where the Eagles play. Um, MetLife, but I think the 
M&T Bank's right up there. I mean, what Heinz, when Renegade comes on and everyone's waving the terrible towels, it's a different yeah. atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But you look at the Ravens, when Real Fan Dan does the R-A-V-E-N-S, everyone's going nuts, or you're throwing on Enter Sandman, yeah. and you're going nuts to that. It's a different kind of atmosphere. That's why Patrick Mahomes said what he did about the Ravens mm -hmm. playing there, night games, yeah. um, everything along those lines, because M&T Bank Stadium is a tough environment for the away team to come into and win. Mm -hmm. And the Ravens have gift-wrapped some games in the past, even this season, but they make it tough on teams, the right. crowd, the atmosphere. It's not somewhere you want to come in and, and play and try to win a game because it is so tough. I mean, to Thursday night football, Cincinnati burned two timeouts pre-snap because in the first, I think it was eight minutes because they couldn't hear. They were literally looking at each other, trying to make audibles. They couldn't get it. Hear each other, couldn't communicate, would have to go to silent counts. Like you say, Patrick Mahomes, I believe he said Baltimore is one of two or three places, what only two or three that he's ever had to go to a silent count on. And then going back to the Lamar Jackson deep ball. I love the shots that we took yesterday, but I want to give him a little more credit on the touchdown throw to Odell because a lot of people are saying Odell saved him on that. And no. just from <laughs> first glance by watching it, you would think so too because of how hard Odell had to adjust by it. I know it. exactly what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. The floor in, is yours. In his press conference, <laughs> Odell brings up, Odell ran the wrong route. Yep. And the reason he had to adjust so hard is because Lamar threw it where Odell was supposed to be, knowing the play, and Odell... <laughs> It's why you go get him because even when he runs the wrong route, if he can get a hand on it, I mean, that play by the sideline on second and 10, if it's near Odell, Odell's going to come down. He's really coming into his own. Oh, oh really yes. baby. It's oh, great to baby. see for the, for the Ravens. That's that's the X factor in the playoffs. That's yeah. the X factor. Well, how about this? How about this double moves? I, I mean, still now, I don't think anyone. Leaving guys confused. Torched. I mean, geez. Yesterday, he hit that one, and it was just player get that man a map that was on the touchdown yeah 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 left he, him in both the those guys split the defenders mm -hmm. and he just i mean they look silly are those that's the dynamic though of seeing from odell beckham and this is part of the ravens offense how it was this past game this is the element that they're going to have to have when they get to the playoffs yes they can run the football i think we've mm -hmm. established that with keaton mitchell with, oh yes <laughs> and we did talk about justin justice hill was in on the majority of the snaps i believe of the yeah, three 40, running backs right percent he he was in for it went 30 plays justice hill 24 for keaton and 20 i believe for gus or 22 for gus so what we're finding out though still is they have a lot of trust in justice hill especially in the passing situations which Hey, this is a it's still a good problem to have. I know people are saying feed Keaton Mitchell like the one guy over here. And also, you know, you got Gus the bus, but Justice Hill has still created a nice role for the team. But the bigger part is the Ravens being able to throw in when they have to throw and come back. And that's mm -hmm. what people knock them for. We've seen it as fans that they're able to do this. This that's what's frustrating. But what's more validating is to see them go out and do it and hopefully go, hey, no, the Ravens can actually do this. And how about Zay Flowers, too? I know he came up big on the last drive, and maybe the numbers are more for that last drive, but great route, and I know Nelson Aguilar cleared the space for him, and I think 
Um, it was Ryan Mink with the Ravens was even saying that, um, or Lamar after the press conference saying yep. that, that Nelson Aguilar helped explain that on his route on that play was going to open it up for Zay Flowers. Mm -hmm. Lamar makes a great throw. Zay makes a, a great route, great catch. And then they go for two and they execute. And that's what you need. It wasn't pretty. It doesn't have to be pretty. Now the Ravens, if you look at it, they can afford to drop a game to a team like the San Francisco 49ers. Not that you want to lose a game like that. Not on Christmas, but... You know. No, because you, know, you don't want Christmas to be ruined, right, Zach? <laughs> it, it, yeah, it might be. No, I'm just It's, it's going to be... It's it, gonna, it would be. If, if, they, if they lose, it would be for you. Yeah, it would be I, I've already... That's no, what I'm saying. I, I've honestly already kind of accepted, especially where with where the Ravens are. I'm okay with it. It's, so. I mean, but don't, like, throw the towel in now. No, no. Like, no, 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 but I'm saying, all right, all no, right. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, like... I'm like, come like, on. I've got to go in there and play and win. Oh, no. Well, if I've mentally prepared, like, these are the two... Two of the best teams, like, it's not yeah. stressful. Here's the thing about the Ravens, though, that the fan base might have been pissed mm. off about how they won the game, everything that happened. Yeah. It was closer than they may have thought it was going to be. But good teams are going to find ways to win, especially in December. John Harbaugh said time after time after time, December wins. Mm -hmm. It's huge for the Ravens, no matter the team's record. It could be a 6-6 six and six team. It could be a team that that's nine and three. It could be a team that's, you know, undefeated, which there's none left in the NFL right now. But I'm I'm just saying, I'm just trying to make a point. Good teams will find ways to win. And with the Ravens, it seems like there's a different guy, a different player stepping up every week. Tylen Wallace, I want to give him his flowers mm -hmm. right now yeah. because this guy was sitting in his car in August outside of the Ravens practice facility, the castle and Owings Mills waiting for that 4 p.m. deadline mm -hmm. to see if he made the team or not. And then when he didn't hear anything, he drove his car home. He's like, yeah. all right, I guess I made the team. Yeah. Good news for that for that kind of situation. It's like no news is good news. You mm -hmm. don't want to get that call from Harbaugh yeah. or DeCosta. Like, hey, we, we didn't, you know, we're going to keep you on the practice squad or we're going to go a different direction. Tyler Wallace didn't get that call because he made the team. Last week, he buys his mom a car. Yeah. This week, he has the play of his NFL career. A public turn for a touchdown career. Probably in overtime. Football career. I mean, like if he won. This is a guy, it couldn't have happened to a better person. Mm -hmm. You saw the celebration in the locker room afterwards. Good for Tylen Wallace. He's a player that deserves it. He's a player that has worked his tail off to get into this position. And next man up, when Devin Duvernay went down with a back injury, Tylen Wallace stepped up in the biggest way. And that's what the Ravens need guys to do. And it's been kind of a pattern this season mm -hmm. for the team. No, hey, I think. Oh, it's good. Well, I was just. Brad, Brad, take it away. Listen, I can't. <laughs> oh, I can't Brad. be perfect every time. Sometimes I make mistakes. Look, uh, I was just thinking of the practice squad and uh, and uh, that Joe Flacco was was on the practice squad and now has been called up and actually also had an incredible well, nice back on the uh, practice squad locker room speech. Yes, but that was it, it's all because of technicality. Joe, Joe's going to think it's funny. With, the Browns, but listen, uh, January, we talked about this. We talked about this as soon as we got rumors about the Browns getting signed or the Browns signing Joe Flacco. And I, I, I immediately went January Joe because mm -hmm. Joe where the, the Browns were with, with their record and they got a, they got a good run game. The, the defense, obviously we know what they are. And, uh, by the way, there's a guy by the name of David Njoku who knows how to catch balls and, and run mm -hmm. people over. We saw that. So uh, this could be a dangerous team. And I just love that this this locker room speech by Joe by Joe Flacco. Take a listen. 
Yeah. Coach is right, man. You know, it was not it was not pretty today, and I was not my best. But these are what makes teams these tough games. You know, you guys earned the right all year to play December football, and that's what we're doing right now, and that's what it looks like sometimes. And then January and February, this is what it's going to be, and to have the the mental toughness to come through in those types of games. That's what winners made of. So, you know, hey, bring these games on. It's just going to make us better in the long run. I appreciate you guys having me, man. I feel Always. like a 10-year-old kid out there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that right there, that hug, is from also from former Ravens, Darius Smith. This locker room is looking awfully uh close and, and, and we've talked about this about how the relationships are in their locker room and how that translates to the field and man you got it sucks to say as a ravens fan it sucks to save your in, in the afc north but uh the browns look like they could be for real if joe keeps playing at, at this level it's scary it was a big win for them mm-hmm. it was a big win for them even though they were playing with a very banged up trevor i'm still shocked trevor lawrence played i am too but he still, but Trevor Lawrence still made some great throws. He was still not that mobile, given everything that's happening, and he still was making that a game. But the bigger, the bigger part here is Joe. You're right, Joe Flacco. Three touchdowns, 311 yards, one pick. I mean, and Joe and Joe Flacco now has he's he has five touchdowns on the year. Kenny Pickett in 12 starts this season, I believe, has six total touchdowns passing. Yes, um, <laughs> that's tough. But Joe, man. The Browns here, and Kevin, give Kevin Stavansky credit. I mean, the dude has had to deal with multiple quarterback situations over his tenure with Cleveland. There's there had all the drama going in with Deshaun Watson, and then you get Deshaun Watson, and then he's not healthy, or then he gets hurt, and then you're on your second string, your third string, and now you have the savior, Joe Flacco, leading the team. This Browns team, they they forced a lot of turnovers in that game too. But the the biggest gift was is that Joe's still helping out the Ravens. Joe got them a victory against the Jags. So now the Ravens have a two-game lead over the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Kansas City Chiefs. The only team that they don't have that lead over is the Miami Dolphins. Um, Good thing we play them. Did you guys see the Browns tweet? It's like, all Joe, all oh, Flacco knows yeah. is winning this stadium. That was that's a hall. I will, I'll get gotta give him credit. That's a hall of fame tweet because it's a yeah. self, it's an incredible self awareness burn. It's great. It, it proves, and incredible. your fan base can laugh at it. Mm-hmm. This fan base can laugh at it as well. Yeah, it's funny. It's like you know, it's the elephant in the room that everyone wants to talk about, and you're putting it front and center. So yeah, are, are shout we, out to their social media. Team. Yeah, are we kind of starting to like the Browns for that? Not like that we like like them, but it's dude. I'm having this weird internal debate these past Same. few weeks <laughs> because like it really is one of those things where I don't want the Browns to win, no. but every time Joe Flacco does something good, it makes my heart feel so good, and it's just like it takes that nostalgia back, like. Him hit him hitting a wide open tight end for a touchdown, you know, stuff like that. Hell, even the old fashioned Joe Flacco deep ball interceptions on third and fifteen. <laughs> like I see it happen and I feel like a kid again. I'm like, man, that's my quarterback. Like oh, nobody man. does the arm punt better. Oh my God. No, oh, no, no. Third and fifteen, chuck it seventy yards down the field, hope they catch it. Well, how about then there's always one. There was there was a bad route, but Joe threw it directly to the opposing player. Granted, it was a, a, a guy was trying to slant, didn't get there. Right hit him right in the chest. The opposing d- defender right in the chest. That's what you love with Joe. But man, when, when that spiral, Joe Joe's deep ball or spiral 
I just get mesmerized with it. I, I really do. Rip, let yeah. me bring up a stat from the Browns PR. Please he became do. the first Brown to throw three touchdown passes of at least 30 yards in the same game since Brian, I want to say it's Sipe, it might be Sipe, on December 21st, 1980. Damn. Excuse me? Do you hear me? Yeah, 1980. 1980. First Browns, Browns throw three touchdown passes of at least 30 yards in the same game. I'm not going to try to pronounce Brian's last name again. Uh, on that was really good. 21st, 1980. I don't want to piss off Browns fans if I mispronounce Brian's last name. That's again. right. You piss off uh, everyone. Yeah, so so it's all good. I'm terrible with names. You're good. Again, like we said, you are a good kid. Um, mm. And on top of that, the Kenny Pickett stat. Did you see that? Yeah, what does Flacco up. have? Five touchdown passes on the year right now. Kenny Pickett has. You're bringing up the fact that your headphones don't work. Yes, yeah. I am. Do we yeah. want to address that? Yeah, we're going to now address Brad it. Brad probably said that. Brad, my yeah. headphones died, so I can't hear a <laughs> single thing that you're saying right now. Uh, that's on me. So if you said that. Actually, yeah, I, actually, I, actually, I said that. I was going to say Ryan said it. So oh, can't hear you, buddy, but, you know, I'm just going to smile with said you. It. What did he say? Ryan said it. Oh, Ryan said it. Well, Wait, I, so that's I have him mentally on mute. Brad, I actually have on mute because I can't hear a single thing he's saying. Ryan, like you're just muted because actually, you enjoy the hell out of me. I think he said it, but while, it is your show, so I think Ryan hey, said you know it while you were after? communicating that you couldn't hear. That might be it. Me. Yeah, yeah, it's the ADD moment again. Clip that. Clip, clip that. And yes, you are right, Brad. This is the show. It's named after me. Hi, I'm Ryan, um, and this is Ryan's friend Rocco. That is my name on the uh, on the stream. Hey, won't it be really cool one day for all of our listeners and viewers out there if everyone in studio doesn't wear hats one time, even though it is a sick hat? Shout out the Maryland. Uh, was it the? Oh, not my. Well, first of all, you got to get the name right. The Maryland Whip Snakes, and that's the reason I wore the hat frontwards because. And, and I said shout PLL out. sent sent gifts. I, know. I come bearing gifts. I I said shout out it's a them. Very, it's very nice hat. So you know what? Now that the gifts. Whip Snakes have gotten enough airtime which, you know, doesn't exist. I will turn my hat back. No, no, you don't have to turn your hat back. No, 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 no. Time out, time out. No, no. It's going to do a disservice to the hat. You can leave it forward. I'm just saying you can be a big boy and not wear a hat on air. I I can't I I know you want to follow Zach's footsteps, which is miraculous that you want to do that. Zach, is my part on this side or this side? Yeah, yeah, that side. So this part, I have a hard hard part, like right here usually, and I ask my, my barber does a fantastic job, I think. I'm not talking crap my barber, but... I have a hard part here. I have a hard part right here. Mm -hmm. And if you can see, there's a line in my head now. Oh, yeah, there is. There's some miscommunication (laughs) at the barber shop between Tay the Barber (laughs) and Rocco. I said, hey, man, I think what we should do this time is move the part over a bit because, like, my hair is kind of it's kind of weird. And it's like it's not a him thing. It's just how my hair is. Mm -hmm. I said move it over. And that's what I said. But I didn't really give him a direction. So he went and put it on this direction so my part is now can you guys see that yeah further down my head than i wanted it to be so i'm kind of stuck with two parts now instead of one this is 100 like yeah i kind of i didn't know how to really deal with that when i saw it in the mirror so i kind of told him i was like hey man like maybe if i don't like it like the next time we can move it the other way Here we are, man. All right. Good thing no one ever sees you without a hat on. I know, man. Yeah, it's not like you work. You go on television and and not wear a hat. I'm sorry. I don't understand. Um, All right, moving on. So we're going to get into the MVP conversation. We're going to keep doing this every week, at least once a week, because it's fluid. And Dak Prescott went the hell off last night uh, against the Eagles. It just seems as if, the Cowboys are unbeatable in Dallas. 
uh, what, 13 games in a row now in Dallas. Dak looked like somebody we hadn't seen before. Uh, and I should have. Well, he's been like that for the last like six does it, does weeks. Can you to say that, Brad? No, no, no. So, like, so <laughs> Brad's going to throw up after we go off air. <laughs> I, what did I say, though? I said that the Cowboys hadn't played anybody that I've been impressed with. So they were supposed to kick the asses of all these other teams that they play because they just, he's been given like a, a cush schedule. And now, yeah, I mean, hey, listen, it beats shit out of the Eagles. And uh, Dak looked looked pretty damn good. Uh, he did uh, look pretty damn good. The thing is, is can that can they sustain that because their schedule isn't going to be good, or isn't going to be uh, nice to them either. They got some pretty challenging games coming up, so I'd be curious to see how they fare against those teams. And, and so uh, you know, hey, listen, gotta give credit where credits due. Dak played his ass off last night, looked great, and he is in the conversation for MVP, but so are, or are some other players and Keyshawn Johnson on undisputed also talked about his wanted to get your guys reaction to his list on the other side. Be one of those people, Michael, as one of the biggest Dak supporters since he's been in the league on record in many shows saying, even when he was trying to get his money and everybody's talking about, you don't pay a guy that type of money. No, he's been, in my opinion, playing at a high level since he stepped foot. Yeah, he's had some interceptions and some turnovers right. here and there, but so has a lot of other quarterbacks. And because he's a Dallas Cowboy quarterback, yes, the scrutiny is a little bit more increased on him. No question about it. But Jerry is wrong. This is not, first of all, it's not a playoff game. Uh, you, Every game is a playoff atmosphere right. when you got two teams that are both good. The San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles a week ago, that was a playoff atmosphere, and San Francisco took care of business against them. When San Francisco played Dallas, that was a playoff atmosphere. San Francisco took care of them. But what I will say, Mike, you said, Michael, I will be one of those people that said he has to yeah. get this team somewhere they haven't been with him, and that's the NFC Championship game at least. At least. at least to the NFC Championship game on his back. Repeat same performances along the way against Buffalo, against Miami, against Detroit. Close it out against Washington. If you can make that run, if you can go three and one in this stretch, hell, if you can go two and two, whatever the case may be. But when it comes playoff time, you need to have a repeat performance like you did against Tampa Bay a year ago. Correct. And then again in the second round, and then again in the NFC Championship game. Because that's what everybody's awaiting for. Mm. He is certainly an MVP candidate. He is certainly at the top of the leaderboard sitting at one. Lamar Jackson at two. Brock Purdy at three for me. Because he's playing like that. Okay? Y'all joke with me and laugh when I say quiz and test. But you got to admit, he passed okay. the test yesterday. There's a couple more tests that are going to come up. We know Buffalo is fighting for the division in the playoff spot. They may not catch Miami but they're fighting to get in the playoffs. We know Miami's fighting to hold on to the number one seed with Baltimore. So those games are going to be must-win, tough games for the Dallas Cowboys on the road. If All right, so you kind of get the gist there. So Keyshawn Johnson's list was Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, and Brock Purdy. We've kind of been talking about Brock Purdy and, uh, you know, that he might not not even be the the MVP front runner on his own team. Which I yeah. even I, – I and you know what? You can finish that, but I – I disagree with that, but I didn't continue. say that everybody. Uh, we talked about Zach talked about that. Zach yeah, talked I, about gonna, I will McCaffrey hand, up, hand up. I, I'll say it again. Yeah, uh, the better erroneous. Player. Continue, Brad. I'm sorry. Uh, listen, they don't they don't call him Big Cock Brock for nothing. Uh, but 
uh, I found it interesting that Lamar Jackson was number two. I wouldn't say Lamar Jackson's number two no. in the MVP conversation. I still think Tyreek Hill belongs there, especially if he crosses over that 2000 mark. Uh, but thoughts on his list? What would you change about it? Um, go. All right. I think right now I'd actually probably give the edge to Brock Purdy. I'd do Brock at number one because of the fact I think that he gets knocked down. You got we talked about this last uh, video, and actually a lot of people on the videos here were very against the fact that that people weren't giving <laughs> Brock enough respect. Zach, yep, there you are. But Brock Purdy, all he's done is at the t highest QBR. You can't teach anticipation. If you watched that game yesterday against the Seahawks. His improvisation, uh, extending the play and making some absolute uh, dimes down the field. He's second in touchdowns. I think I said he's first in QBR. He's on the best team in the NFC. Arguably, it's the best team in the NFL. If they win out, I think it's probably going to be that he's going to be playing very well. He probably has a good chance to win it. I will say with, with this, Dak Prescott, if they win those big games could possibly jump it because Dak is going to have to play at, the, at an extremely high level to win out. I think that's fair to say. They got some really tough games, and Dak's going to have to be a big reason. And Lamar Jackson, if Lamar Jackson goes in and beats San Francisco, like that, it does really feel like it's a three-guy race. I think whichever one finishes, but I think Brock's going to get the the nod for me if they go undefeated and finish out the season because Brock Purdy's probably going to finish with uh, going close to 40 touchdowns and being on the best team in the NFL. Zach, what do you think? Tyreek Hill, number one. But even even if Tyreek doesn't get to 2,000 yards, you're going to put him at number one? Well, he's going to get to 2,000 yards. So, But if he doesn't? Yeah. if That's he, not a question for me. That's not – I. I don't that, no, no, that is a question. He's so going to get to 2,000 yards. So, so this it, is under the – let's go – okay. This is under the assumption he gets to 2,000. Tyreek Hill's number one. Christian McCaffrey's number two. Dak Prescott's number three. No respect to Brock Purdy at all in no. that conversation. No, he can be four. He can be five. He, he's still a top five MVP candidate. I'd put Lamar above him, but I just think with the weapons he has, yes, is he putting on an incredible show? Yes, is he doing everything he needs to do? But a Dak Prescott is having a more impressive season to me. A Lamar Jackson is having a more impressive season to me, even though I don't That's necessarily think think Lamar's in the like I wouldn't put Lamar personally in the top four or five I think he and Purdy are in the very similar area of outside chances but I don't see how Brock Purdy's the MVP sorry we're talking uh the the most valuable player on your team uh, if you take take Tyreek Hill off the Dolphins and what are they I, they're they're not going to be ten and three or nine yeah. and three like they are right now. I, take Christian McCaffrey off of the 49ers. We saw what happened when when Debo and and, and Christian McCaffrey were were injured and, and what Brock Purdy kind of was. I'm not saying that Brock Purdy isn't deserving or he shouldn't be in the conversation, but there are better players out there that I feel like are more deserving of the award. If we're talking about the most valuable player on their team, I think Brock Purdy is what the 49ers need right now, and I think he is. You can you brought up the argument of he he's got too many weapons around him, or mm -hmm. you know, he's he's got so many weapons, but like football's a team game. The quarterback, yeah. their job is to get their good players the weapons. You can't knock a guy for having weapons and getting them the ball. Yeah. It's like I think Brock Purdy's doing a 
pretty very solid job with the Niners. I think I do you, here here's the mm-hmm. argument here then. Do you think Trey Lance would be in the same position? Do you think no. the 49ers would be in the no, same position I, I if, if he was quarterback be, instead of Brock Purdy right now? So I, here's the way I'll put it. I think if you were to lose either Brock Purdy from that team or Christian McCaffrey, you can win with you can put up a similar season, meaning they would be sitting around eight to ten wins with another quarterback. If Christian McCaffrey wasn't on this team, I'm not sure you could say the same. Okay, can I? I just want to make this point here real quickly with because I, I do understand Tyreek Hill what he's doing and how he's transformed and really helped Mike McDaniel and and Tyreek have really helped to um and that team is playing well now. The defense, the reason why they're winning more games recently, their defense is playing very well on top of it. But Jimmy Garoppolo being a quarterback, right? Jimmy Garoppolo had one year in San Francisco in 2019 where he threw 27 touchdown passes. That was his career high. Brock Purdy is at 25 touchdown passes with, what, five to go? Four or five games to go? So, and he only has seven interceptions on the season. Jimmy threw 13. I know that interceptions aren't a big part of it, but Brock also is completing over 70% of his passes during this time frame. And I know you guys can say, well... Oh, it's 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 easy compl- completions, right? Jimmy Garoppolo has never had a, a season where he's thrown for over 70%. So I, I think Brock deserves a little bit more credit there. But yeah, if we're going to talk about if he went down and they had a, a valuable backup, the Niners could still stay afloat. It's not like if the Ravens... See, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. <laughs> Brandon, since I know you, you're an idiot. <laughs> Brandon, he's an idiot. Even though I do like Nathan Peterman, we I, just we just listen. We pay Brandon no attention on this show. What about Joe? Idiot. It's my boy Brandon. What He's about, an idiot. What about? <laughs> well, I love that Joe. Uh, um. Well, Joe loves you, man. I think Joe has a little man crush on me. He's not going to admit it, but you know what? Feelings mutual, Joe. The feelings mutual. About feelings oh, what about what? Did you have a man crush on Joe? Yeah, Joe's a great guy. Okay, there we go. We just want to clarify. He hasn't sent me any Red Bulls, but, you know, it's neither love. here nor there. Yeah. All right, Brad, to close it out, so you still think Tyreek would be your number one? Yes. Okay. Well, we can uh, agree to disagree on it. I think <clears throat> that's the fun part of this, actually, but I do think if Tyreek doesn't get 2,000 yards, the MVP race will come down to Lamar, Dak, and Brock, and quite frankly, it will come down to their last schedule. Who plays the best over those last four or five games? might come out with the MVP. And, and that's going to be exciting to watch, especially for the Ravens. They have the toughest schedule. Lamar can go into San Fran and win that and have a dazzling game. I think Lamar's yeah. going to jump above Brock. Yeah, and I above, agree. And Dak. Yeah, if Lamar goes into San Francisco, and I mean, let's just say it ends up being like a Rams game out there where they just torch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they, they're, they're, the, the MVP conversation is going to get real loud around Lamar for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Well, uh, speaking of MVPs, because we wanted to touch on one topic here, and then we're going to get out of here because we've been talking for a while. Um, and this is actually going back to the baseball side of this, because we were going to talk about it earlier. But talk about MVPs. The MVP of the American League is now on the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I think the biggest part of this, one, we haven't talked about it, that everyone thought he was going to Toronto. They're tracking a plane. And then it turned out it was that guy from Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. It's plain, by yeah. the way, or was, something like that. It was like he and his daughter were going home to Canada, and everyone thought it was Shohei. Yeah. 
amazing. Everyone was tracking this damn flight path that this plane was delayed or diverted and going to Toronto. I will say Jared Carabas, I think it was Carabas, put out a tweet that I thought was hilarious and honestly like was very true about the whole situation where he was like, I think all of us as baseball fans need to kind of take a step back. He was like, that got weird for a second when we were tracking that man's plane. He was like, I think we need to touch (laughs) grass for a minute. He was like, everyone get offline for like 20 minutes because things got weird there when we were all arguing over which plane Shohei was on flying to Toronto while he was sitting in his home. That was the weirdest thing was the report that debunked it was way too like specific. It was like, Despite reports, Shohei Otani is sitting in his home in Los Angeles, California, deciding things. It's like, could just say he was in L.A. Did, did you guys see the whole J.J. Watt thing about that? Mm-hmm. He kind of put things into perspective as far as media yeah. and everything goes. And he was getting on people for knocking Shohei Otani for kind of doing it his way, the silent way, and not going on this LeBron James world tour and kind of media talking and basically doing an interview like the decision and saying here's where i'm going but he's like you knock a guy for doing something like lebron and now you're going to knock a guy for doing something like Mm -hmm. shohei Mm -hmm. there's got to be an in between there when it comes to that it's like yeah let guys do what they want to do in free agency yeah if you want to go on and do a decision like lebron i'll remember that for the rest of my life i watched it that's something that's like a core memory that I will remember LeBron yeah. making that decision mm-hmm. and saying, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. That's in Shohei. I'm going to remember where I was when Shohei made his quiet decision mm-hmm. and signed a massive 10 year, $700 million contract with the Dodgers. Speaking of, yeah. the deferrals are insane. Yeah. Oh, yes. So that, that was, and, and that's where we wanted to get into this real quick. So, Brad, yeah. you have a graphic of, of what this all entails. Yeah. So, this is ridiculous, and I actually put a poll up in uh, the 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 our, our YouTube chat about whether or not this deal was bad for baseball. And I mean, maybe people don't really understand the context because seventy five percent of you are saying that no, it's not bad for baseball, while twenty five percent are saying yes. Uh, so just a real quick show time. This is from Jeff Passan. Show your time. Seven hundred million dollar contract calls for him to be paid two million dollars a year for the next ten seasons, with six hundred eighty million dollars deferred to the end of the deal. Sources confirmed to ESPN. The CBT hit on the contract is going to be around $46 million, a huge discount for L.A. Uh, and the structure of the deal, yada, yada, yada. You can see that. So for me, I do think this is bad for baseball. and I, I, This is just a loophole for the Dodgers to get to skirt around the salary cap. And yeah. I, I, I just don't feel right about this part of it. And so, look, Shohei Otani. Get your damn money. $700 million is absolutely insane. This is a Bobby Bonilla 2.0 all over again. <laughs> it's, even, it's, it's, it's on it's on steroids. Contract. Yeah. Field, Field Yates, guys, he said Bobby Bonilla walked so Shohei Otani could run, Brad. Yeah, Shohei's <laughs> like, hold my beer. You know, he's, he's going to get paid all the way out to 2043. And for mm-hmm. me, like this just it feels like cheating. It's not cheating. They're not breaking any rules. It just feels that way. And I just don't think that this is great for baseball. This gives the Dodgers an unfair advantage, in my opinion, and something should be done about it. it it's definitely, you know, it's people say the teams need to spend more, right? But then it's how do you spend it? But this is the unconventional way because Shohei Otani is the one that actually went to the Dodgers and said, I want to defer this money so it can give our team a chance 
to bring players in. So like that but to that's me is pretty point. but that's admirable. But when Shohei's done and they still have to keep paying, like Shohei's gonna be on the books after they leave. Yeah. So they're 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 sacrificing this window of time. I'm not saying that this loophole needs to be looked at because damn, they only have that be two million per year. Granted, the cap it being around 46 is different, right? Um but it's a way different way of thinking. And the Dodgers are saying this 10 year window with Shohei, we are all freaking in. And yeah, but this allows like if they're if if he hadn't deferred, there wouldn't be no like chance they were getting Yamamoto, right? Like and that that's kind of like I I, I like again, I feel like this is unfair uh to other teams that maybe could have a chance, or you know, what's the point in having the salary cap if you can structure deals this way? I, I, well, there is none. Yeah, and I think that's we're now getting one step closer to that. I yeah. think that's what this deal is going to the consequences of this deal. I think we're not going to truly see what this deal has done to baseball until we get a few years down the line. Because like you said, Brad, now we have word that the Dodgers do want to go fully in on Yamamoto as well. And if you build these contracts like this, all of a sudden, what's stopping, let's use a local example, the Orioles from going to a Gunnar Henderson and being like, hey, we'll give you $300 million, but we're not going to give you $200 million until 2040. And trying to do stuff like that, I mean, it just, it changes the way that contracts are going to be negotiated because we already had the dead money, the deferrals, but this is two hundred or six hundred and eighty million dollars in deferrals. This isn't oh fifty million is being put off for ten years. This is six hundred and eighty million dollars being put off for ten years. We're, we're living in an era where contracts. We're seeing these crazy contracts in every sport. You saw. In the NFL with Deshaun Watson, and that's not even close to what Shohei Otani is making, but that guaranteed money, and it sets the tone going forward in negotiations and everything else, and it changes the landscape of things. So like you said, Zach, with the deferrals, it's like, wow, you can pay a player that much that far down the mm -hmm. line? Like Jorge Mateo makes more money than Shohei Otani in 2024. <laughs> Chris Davis. Chris Davis makes more money in 2024 than Shohei Otani. Did you see the numbers though? He could he's who's he making more than? He his he's making more than what the I forget what sports franchise off the top of my head, but what they're worth. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, mean his, probably multiple ones, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, Shohei uh, he, if a, if a Major League Baseball team is going for, I don't know, you know, billion, two billion dollars, whatever it's going to be. Excuse me. And Shohei Otani's getting seven hundred million. I mean, imagine what he's getting in endorsement deals. The dude, after when it's all said and done, almost can afford to purchase a major league mm -hmm. team. Getting to the point, it's going to keep going up. But that th this this deal is unprecedented. But it, it's also at the forefront that Otani was the one pushing for this. Like I want to emphasize that. Yes, there could be a loophole, and maybe the Dodgers could have persuaded and said, hey, this will make us competitive. But Otani, what was the big thing why he wanted to re leave the Angels, guys? Do you remember? He wanted to win. There it is, Brad. He wanted to win. 
He was tired of the mediocrity that was happening with the Angels, and you had Mike Trout there. You have two of the best players of this generation and of any generation on the same team, and you could not put together a winning roster, a winning formula. So Otani's emphasis, besides getting a shit ton of money, which he got, was I want to win. I want to be on a winning team. So I I, uh, commend him for doing this. He's going to get his money one way or another. And for the Dodgers saying, well, we found a way to make this work, but definitely Major League Baseball is going to have to address this in the future because this could be a different line of negotiating that could become very, very tricky as we move forward. But Otani's a Dodger. He's not in the American League. He's not in the American League East. Uh, Oriole fans, you already are dealing with Juan Soto coming to New York. Apparently, Yamamoto is trying to be recruited by Hideki Matsui to come to the Yankees. We're going to find out soon enough here. It's a lot of that. Talk about spiciness. This hot stove yeah. is still heating up. That's the thing that sucks with oh. the with Major League Baseball in the offseason. Does it suck? No. This is what, okay, timeout. This is what sucks is it's not like the NFL free agency mm-hmm. where it's deals are being made before free agency has even started. It's like the reports are out, sources. This guy signed here, and it all happens in the wave really at, at once. In the MLB, it's just it's a sit and it's a waiting game. You got to be patient. You got to yeah. wait for it. So, um, yeah, because every, everyone was waiting on Shohei to sign, and then it's okay. Now, where does Yamamoto sign? And then it's where's Montgomery sign? And then we can start the rest of the people signing. And then, and then, and that's, then it's how baseball works, but I enjoy it. It's a slow burn. You enjoy baseball? It's okay. I'm still learning the sport. Hey, I am too. <laughs> and on that note, I think we wrap it up for tonight, guys. Uh, can't thank uh, Sean enough for coming on. That was amazing. I love that. Yeah, incredible. I texted uh, Josh Reimer, his PR person, who's who actually sent me a picture of uh, him as a kid and your dad earlier, and I sent it to you, and you were like, "You're like, what is this?" I sent it with, to him without any context, and yeah, I told him he's was- like, "That's so cool." But he said. You know, Sean's down to hop on again anytime. So it, it would be great to have him on again. Would He's love, fantastic. would love to talk to him. See him yeah. more here in Maryland, in in the yeah. region. Me and, and him got to get in the gym so we can. Oh no! You know what? Honestly, I think for a subscriber <laughs> count, I just want to see him take you down. Like one, what? What's the? I, what's the move? Oh my! Could you imagine? I'll play quarterback, and he like, we'll give him a round the edge, lights out. Oh my god. For twenty, if we get to twenty thousand, I would say. Rip, I told you this, but I don't think I don't think I told Zach or Brad or our viewers that his his dad Jeff Reimer called your pops uh, street game. Yeah, so you know, actually, Josh and I talked about we were messaging back and forth before the uh, the show, and he was there during the record. And actually, I believe uh, his dad's, I believe the Blue Jackets doing a uh, broadcast, Mm -hmm. you know, absolute legendary career that no one really talks about to be around for that long. Uh, So I can't wait to catch up more with him on on all of this. So it was great. So Rocco, you're a good kid because you helped make the connection for this one. Hey, man. Thanks, Thanks, Rock. Something, guys. There he is. This is like one of the love for once in my life. My parents don't even say they love me. Uh, (laughs) I love how it's dead silent. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> yeah, good kid. You're a good oh kid. my god! I love the fact that no one said a word. No one said a word. And we Rocco just, just sat there. Just accepted. <laughs> Embrace the awkward silence, Rocco. Go with snakes. Yep. Right. And you know what? Uh, I think we should get out of here. We're not playing. Never have I ever either. Rock. We are getting out of here. Uh, hey guys, if you're new to the channel, 
Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, hit that like and subscribe on the way out if you are a returning viewer. Thank you so much. And hey, actually, guys, this is our other news. It's the first episode we are having on the podcast platforms, by the way. So it's going to be, I think, available initially on Spotify and Apple. We're working to get it on Amazon and all those different ones that you have. So a different way for people to experience the show in whichever way you can. We want you to be here all the time because we love the interactions. We love roasting Rocco in person. Uh, there's nothing like it. But that's all we have for this show from Brad, from Zach. This is my, uh, I realized I've now officially, this is episode 36, and uh, I joined on 18, so I've officially been on more episodes I have not, so you cannot get rid of me. You can't get rid of me. We can. Yeah, very easily. (laughs) Okay. I don't have a key to the studio. It actually would be very easily not to to kick me out. Very easily. And for Rocco, there he is in the Maryland Whip Snakes. Love it. Guys, we appreciate you. We love you. And we will see you next time for another episode of the Ryan Ripkin Show. Peace. Hey, good good job, kids. Wait, I go. Shut up, ugly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Oh, man.